what's up, everybody? My name is JT Harker with the Backstage Sports Show. Uh, my co-host Joe Connor is in Vegas for work. He's drumming. He's doing what he does best, acting like an idiot in Vegas. I hope he's hitting all the strip clubs. But today, we have a former guest of the show. He's my guest co-host. He's a very good friend of mine. His name is Steve Boss, Haas, founder, creator of 7%er seven, seven clothing brand. And we're about to be doing some big things with them. What's up, brother? What up, my boy? How you doing, my man? I'm doing great. Can you introduce our other our other bro here that's uh, that's coming all the way from Vegas? Yeah, man. I mean, me and him go way back. You know, we're we're technically not real life brothers, but we're brothers. Uh, right. I met when he was uh, four years old, and I was ten when I moved out here from Chicago. Um, his mom and my mom became best friends, and him and I became best friends. And um supported him through all his years of football and sports and basketball just everything just an amazing person super talented super uh intelligent um and then we started working together as artists him as an artist and me as his manager did some amazing things worked with nipsey hustle just man, japan korea we did everything together um as far as musically did a lot of videos together and we're slowly getting back into doing a lot of music videos together again it's my brother i love him to death Bomb the Don. Hey, what's Bomb up? What's Don, up? Thanks for having me, man. Absolutely, man. I appreciate that. That was a that was official intro right there. I appreciate you coming on. And now, man, like we should have just had my my co-host. He's already out there in Vegas. We should have had meet out with you. Are you out there right now? Yeah, yeah. He could have pulled up on me. And I'm sorry to report that strip clubs are closed right now. So he's not going out. <laughs> I know. I, I heard they're doing they're doing all virtual. It's all remote. Yeah, yeah. I'm I mean, I feel like we all already know how to do that without strip clubs doing it. But, <laughs> um, but give everybody your real your real name because obviously Quam the Don is your uh, is kind of your stage name. Yeah, yeah. So my real name is Adrian Ayadarko. Um, yeah, you can see the jersey back there, Ayadarko. So that's my for sure. Name. So I'm gonna give you shout outs real quick on all your stuff. So you can find him at at, at Quam the Don on Instagram. Um, his new video, Threat to Society, giving a lot of love to Kobe Bryant and the Lakers, is on YouTube right now. Um, you can find him on YouTube. Your YouTube channel is just Quam, right? Yeah, yeah. K-W-A-M? Yep. Okay, for sure. Yeah, the video looks dope, dude, and the song's dope as well. Appreciate it, man. Um, so, little little background on you um, that, that I actually just learned. I've known you for a while, obviously not as close with you as bosses. Right. And I knew, I remember that you played sports. I remember we talked about it and that was kind of the bond we all shared is that we grew up playing sports, but I had no idea you're a Duke university graduate. Yeah. yeah. And um, when you said Duke, I was like, like, is this Duke community college? Like in Northern California? <laughs> <laughs> Duke, Pine, Duke uh, Pine Bluff, right? Exactly. Bluff, exactly. <laughs> Duke West Hills, man. It's a great school. It's a right, great right. school. Um, but no, you're Duke Blue Devil played football for Duke. Yeah. Um, and you also in high school ran track and played basketball as well. Yeah. But um, tell everybody what kind of your sports journey has been and what you're doing now in Vegas. Yeah, sports has been, you know, my whole life really uh, started playing sports when I was four or five years old. Started with um, soccer and basketball. My dad was big in the soccer. He's from Africa. So that was kind of my first two sports. And then I kind of nice. transitioned from uh, soccer into football and, you know, was kind of one and one A with basketball, football. And then in high school, ran track as well to kind of keep my speed up for football. Um, and then it was always my, my goal and my dream to, to be a pro, but first go to college, get a scholarship, whether it be football or basketball. And it just happened to work out that uh, the football was the best opportunity and ended up going to Duke University. Amazing. 
And then as far as um, what I'm doing now, you know, after I graduated, I was kind of finding my way, seeing what I wanted to get into. Um, and I was able to find my way into the sports world at Fox Sports in 2012. Uh, I was a part of their original social media team there and uh, worked on NFL on Fox, college football on Fox, college basketball, um, and then went out to San Diego in uh, 2017 to um, be the social media manager for Fox Sports San Diego, nice. um, the, regional, the regional channel down there. So yeah. covering a lot of Padres. Um, and then I started with the uh, Alliance of American Football um, League that you know lasted less than a season. I was with the San Diego Fleet. Um, and then now I'm with Las Vegas Re Review Journal here in Vegas, the, the largest newspaper in Nevada, uh, social media manager here. And then we're covering the Raiders. So we have a Vegas Nation brand that covers all the Raiders and also Golden Edge, which covers um, Golden Knights hockey. Amazing. Amazing. <laughs> Um, yeah, I didn't even know you were sp you spent time in San Diego like that, man. We haven't talked forever. Yeah, it's but, been uh, a minute, man. Yeah, I mean, we we for a while, uh, me and the band were playing. We were playing San Diego more than any other market. We were down there, oh, man. Moonshine Flats and Moonshine Beach. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, that was like we were, down. I was right down the street from there in uh in uh in the Gaslight area. Yeah. Yeah, dude, that that's the play. They just won, I think, ACM Venue of the Year for the Country Country Awards. Wow. And uh, we were for a while like we were already playing there, and then for a while we were like almost every other weekend like we we're down there all the time man wish i would have known we probably had this, a lot of the same people in common because i had some friends absolutely. and co-workers that used to frequent there go there all the time yeah it was, it's yeah. an amazing venue man and uh, i'm actually going to be singing the national anthem remote but for a, a padres game when uh, major league baseball comes back i'm actually recording wow. in the next couple of days that's, that's big so, time. You know, i mean I'm a, I'm a giants fan but you know what i mean hey, it's, it's an hey. opportunity it's an opportunity i'll take the work heck yeah Hopefully they're going to be playing the Giants that game. Yeah, we'll see. That would be that would actually well, that'd be rough because they're requiring <laughs> me to they're requiring me to wear uh, Padres gear. Oh, okay. Um, so we'll see, we'll see. But um, well, cool, man. So uh, see, so let, let's go back to you at Duke. So that's dope because, like, I wasn't nearly a good enough basketball player, but my dad always said that if I if I was ever one of those top guys, especially back then when guys weren't going to the G League or going to play overseas, he was like, right. man, if He's like, I, I would want you to play for Coach K at Duke University. Yeah. So yeah. I'm sure being there playing football, you went to the basketball games and were around the program, maybe even had some friends that were on the basketball team. But what was the vibe like there for sports in general? But, but certainly what was like a, a you know, a, a, a historic basketball program like that? What, what was it like to be around that? Yeah, it was really cool. Obviously, I grew up, you know, watching Duke just like everybody else, the Duke Carolina games. I was always a big fan of theirs. Um, and did I you go to a Duke North Carolina game? I did. I went to one uh, at Duke. Yeah, and we ended up losing that game. That's that on the like, that's on the bucket list, man. Yeah, yeah. That we was like the one it. game I think I camped out for. Um, you know, with my girlfriend at the time and some friends, we camped out for the game and got in. You had to camp out? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So you, so you, it's like first come, first <laughs> serve. Tickets. Yeah, I think I don't, I don't think I slept overnight, but um, you know, we went out there early. Like we had a team of people who were kind of like stationed. Yeah. Um, so we kind of worked it out where, you know, you stay a couple hours, whatever, chill. And, you know, right. people were just like drinking and having fun anyway in line. Right. Um, yeah, we ended up getting in and uh, Duke ended up losing that game. I remember yeah. uh, it was back when like Danny Green was on Carolina and stuff like that. I remember seeing him there. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, that was yep. cool. Yeah. I was going to say, who was on that Duke squad at the time? I'm not sure who was on the Duke team. Um, I mean, when I was there, it was like Demarcus Nelson, JJ Reddick, uh, Sheldon Williams. 
Uh, those are some of the big names that were there. Uh, Greg Paulus was there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think John Shire was there for part of the time. So, yeah, um, yeah it was back in those days. I yeah, was there I rem- before to 08, so. I remember those days well, man. I remember seeing John Shire after he had graduated. He was probably out trying out because he didn't get drafted for, like, the Lakers or the Clippers. Mm-hmm. But I don't think he got on. But that's yeah, dope, I think he's man. on the Duke uh, coaching staff now, if I'm not uh, if I'm not mistaken. I think You're right. Yeah. You're right. I saw, yeah, I saw him there with Coach K. That's dope. That's dope. Yeah. So what, what was your football experience like there? Obviously, they're not as known for football, but they've had some good teams. Right, yeah. It was, I mean, it was a little tough. But, um, you know, when I went there, like you said, like, honestly, when they came to recruit me, I didn't even know Duke had a basketball team or a football team. <laughs> I, I mean, so I had to, like, see that for the first time. Like, actually, actually see, like, the program and know it was real. Yeah. Make, um, make sure you're not going to be on the first team. Wait, didn't you, have a, didn't you have a ride or an offer from Harvard, too? Wasn't yeah, yeah. Harvard? Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so those are my top two schools was between Duke and Harvard. Um, wow. So I, those are my two official visits. And then That's crazy. You know, Harvard doesn't give um, full athletic scholarships or athletic scholarships at all. They give like, you know, financial aid and a- academic scholarships. So I would have had to pay money to go there or at least like half price to go there. So, you know, Duke was a full ride. So that kind of made my choice easy. Wow, hey, JT, JT, real quick. I, I've been to like every high school game in his, right? <laughs> like literally yeah you were like he literally should have got more offers bro yeah like, seriously like especially in the pack 12 or pack 10 i think it was called back then yeah, yeah. i mean he for not one pack 10 school to offer him up because i mean we we're going to ucla games remember we we're just, yeah like, yeah but we were, we were going a lot of times i was going as like a guest or as like a throw in with my, <laughs> with my I, friend, teammate at the time who ended up going to UCLA, Marcus Everett. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think, you know, he was uh, probably a little bit faster and stronger than me, like more of a just a raw athlete than me yeah. uh, as far as oh. like strength and speed. So he got a little more, he took a lot of that Pac-12 and big school. Like he had Notre Dame, yeah. Oregon, UCLA. Uh, he, he, oh, wow. He being, For whatever he reason, humble. it was kind of overlooked. Being He's being humble. His numbers, his numbers. <laughs> Marcus, him and Marcus, if you came to see Marcus, how, you you have to see Adrian. Like, you have to notice him on the field. Like, they were like – it almost looked identical. You right. know what I mean? Like, they were – It was like a, Le, like a LeBron D-Wade type of thing. Yeah, you know? literally. They were booking wow. receivers. They were booking receivers. They were, like, booking corners. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and they were just – I mean, they were shut down. Like, they were exciting to watch. Like, if Marcus wasn't having a good game, Adrian was having a good game and vice yeah. versa. Like, yeah. I, I mean, to me as a recruiter, if I'm there, I'm seeing him play – I'm like, I gotta sign this kid. You know, his numbers were phenomenal. Right. You know, he was making plays all over the field for him. So for him to only get one D1, like major D1 offer, to me is still like, I only, I can't it's crazy. wrap my yeah. mind around that. And, you know, it was a slap in the face, but you know. And Quan, I don't think I mentioned this either uh, when, once we started recording, but you also, you went to Chaminade High School as well for all, right. the, all the Southern California people yeah, watching, yeah. which is, um, you know, most of our, of our people are from SoCal. Yeah. But um, so Shawnee High School to Duke, um, you you graduate there. What what positions did you play at Duke? I was a safety at Duke. Yeah, oh, oh, so nice. they brought me okay. in as a corner, and I uh, I was one of the bigger corners, so I transitioned to safety. Hold on, JT. Let me show you something. <laughs> uh oh. Let me show you something. Pull out the proof. Oh shit! <laughs> look at that. And I think the dude he's tackling played in the league, right? Quan? I think so. I forgot his name, but he was a running back from Richmond. That yeah, was Richmond. Richmond. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, yeah I just, I mean, back for like uh, Arizona or something. 
Yep. yep. And, and right. Quam, did you get, did you get, at least were you getting looks from other schools too? Like that were coming to see you or like, how did that work? Yeah. I mean, we had people coming cause we had like um, at least probably like three or four D one prospects on our team. So we had schools coming, but they were just, you know, most of the offers were going to my teammate Marcus. You know what I mean? Shout out to Marcus. Right. Yeah, Marcus, Marcus is a beast, yo. Marcus, Marcus is a beast, but like Adrian was in that mode too, though. Like if you went to the game, the games were so exciting because their quarterback was a stud. They had a stud offensive lineman. And then you had these two just dynamic receivers that like they would just always make plays. You know what I mean? Like they were just putting up crazy numbers. So for me, like it's still just, mind-boggling that he didn't get like a full ride to like Colorado, Utah, Oregon right. State, right. Arizona State, you know what I mean? One yeah. of those schools, yeah. you know, it just didn't, it, it was mind-boggling. I mean, Duke is amazing. Like, Duke, right. Duke, Duke. Yeah, I was just going to say, I was just going to say, if, if like, if you were my kid and, you know, like we all want our kids to succeed, but man, like such a small percentage go to the league anyway. Right. That if it's like, man, I could go to like USC, which is a great school, or I could go right. to Cal State Fullerton, or I could be going to Duke. Like, right. that's pretty dope. Yeah, yeah. That's pretty point, dope. Like, you know, the schools he just mentioned, like Utah, Colorado, whatever, Oregon State. Yeah, they're probably better football schools and more, you know, football right. tradition. But, you know, when I graduate, would I be more excited and proud to say, hey, I graduated from Duke or I graduated from Utah. Or, you know what yeah. I mean? So, I mean, Duke's Duke's like, the probably made the, the alumni, the, the boost, all that stuff is probably more prominent yeah. in, uh, at Duke. You know what I mean? Like Duke, yeah. Duke and Stanford, even though they're not, they're considered like Ivy League level schools. You know right. what I mean? So that, right. that's amazing. Yeah, that's so it amazing. definitely rings bells. Like when you say Duke, you know, people, oh, really? And if I yeah. Tell you, yeah, I went to Utah, Oregon State. You'd be like, oh, okay. You know what I mean? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Um, let, let's get into a little bit of what's happening in sports right now. Actually, Quam, talk more about uh, what you're doing. So let's talk about the Raiders since you since you're in touch with what, what's going on with the Raiders. They sure. they had Jason Witt now, which I didn't even know that till recently. Shows how yeah. much I'm paying attention. Um, <laughs> but uh, what's the excitement level about about the Raiders being in Vegas and the team that they currently have um, going into whenever this next season is going to be? Yeah, it's big time. You know, I think it was a uh, a lot of the diehard Raider fans were a little salty at first just because they're leaving you know, Oakland and leaving California. Hey, man, they should be used to them moving around at this point. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, unfortunately. But I think for the most part, fans are excited now. They see the state, the stadium coming together. They have a new practice facility. And the Henderson. stadium looks dope. Oh, yeah, it's sick. It looks it's dope. Sick. So I think once that stadium started going up and they realized, hey, I'm going to be able to go to that brand new stadium, you know, party on the strip, have a great time. I think more fans are buying in now. And, you know, personnel-wise, I think they're doing a great job, too. They had a great offseason picked up some big time free agents like you said Jason Witten a lot of guys on defense they had a really solid draft got Henry Ruggs in the first round so yeah. a lot of excitement um, around the team this year for sure yeah where I'm from everybody used to call them the traders so I'm hoping that this could be a home <laughs> for them and they'll be there because you know Vegas needs a team and they need a football yeah. team yeah yeah especially nowadays man everyone's way more remote like people will come out for the games yeah, it'll be a big party, man. And I don't think they're going anywhere anytime soon. I mean, they just built, they're finishing a $2 billion stadium. It's supposed to be done at the end of July. So you know, I think they're locked in here for a while. Yeah, Will you terrible. be able to work the games? Will you be able to attend and work the games? Or we'll just... see. We're, we're working on a, um, on a pregame show right now with Cox. Um, so we may be in the studio. We may be on the field, you know, around the stadium. Um, we're still kind of working out those details. And obviously a lot of that um, depends on, you know, the whole COVID-19 situation, right. how much 
Are there going to be fans there? Is there going to be media right. there? So a lot of that is still in the air, like everything. Well, else. I see you doing a lot of on-camera interviews or, you know, broadcasting. So is that something that's going to be in your future with the company you're working for now? Or what, what do you think? Yeah, that's, that's definitely something I'm trying to do more of. And I'm glad, you know, Review Journal kind of gave me the opportunity to do that. That's something we kind of discussed when I, you know, when I was talking to them. Um, so now it's kind of coming to fruition with the whole Vegas Nation brand. We have uh, a show called Vegas Nation Blitz that is shown here in Vegas. It's actually in 11 markets in eight different states uh, around the country, mostly West Coast. Um, so if you have Cox, go on, you can go to Cox Yearview. It's Channel 14 here in Vegas. And every Wednesday at 8 p.m., um, we have Vegas Nation Blitz, which, which is a weekly show of everything, everything Raiders, um, you know, the newest news, um, stadium updates for, uh, for the Raiders every week. So are you, are you specifically sports? Or are you kind of encompassing everything in Vegas and when it comes to news? Yeah, so for me, I'm the, my official title is social media manager. So I'm the social media manager for the entire review journal paper. So, you know, news, breaking news, crime, business, entertainment, everything Las Vegas. But of course, my baby is, you know, Vegas Nation and, and you know, being able to talk football. That's kind of like the icing on the cake for me. Right, yeah, absolutely. Cool. Man, Kwame, I'll tell you what, the last show we played before, we played some shows now that things are opening up, but the last one we played right before quarantine started was Stoney's out there in Vegas. Oh, I haven't and, been there yet. Where's that at? Um, it's at, it's not on the strip. Okay. But it's, uh, it's always, so I said Moonshine Flats just won ACM venue of the year. So yeah. them and Stoney's get nominated every year. Okay. And it's dope, but it's, it's um, at a shopping center mall thing. It's the something square, village square, something like that. Oh, town square maybe? Yeah, town square, I think. Okay. Yeah, and there's some other cool stuff around it, but it, it's great. And if you could go, you know, check it out and when they open again and let them know that we'll play there every weekend if they'd like. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Right after the Raider game or before. They do it, man. It's <laughs> Vegas, man. Vegas is – I hadn't been there for a while. It was a blast. Yeah. Um, let's stick on football a little bit. Obviously, the big headline right now, Cam signs with the Patriots. And just to yeah. give a shout-out to, to my co-host, Joe Connor, he's been screaming about this forever. I thought it made sense too, but then I was like, oh, there must be a reason that they're not signing him. And then all of a sudden, yeah. boom. They waited, whatever the reason is. Maybe they're waiting on some sort of doctor to, to check Cam out. I don't know, but mm -hmm. he's there. Obviously, we got the great Tom Brady with the Bucks. What, what are your guys' thoughts? Boss, let's start with you. And Quam, let us know as well. I, I love the Cam Newton signing. I, I've, I've been a fan of that move since day one. People were talking about him coming to the Bears. And honestly, I just didn't think he was a good fit with the Bears. I'm not saying I didn't like Cam. I just didn't think he fit. Well, what we were trying to do. So I, I, don't, I don't. I don't know if anybody's a good fit for the Bears, bro. Like, who's, who's, <laughs> <laughs> hang up, bro. <laughs> we got. We got to try something, man. You got to try uh, something. You know. You know what? No, but I love Cam. But you know, as far as the offense that we're trying to run, I just didn't see him 100% fitting in. Um, I mean, I would have took him 100%. Like, I would have all day took him. Like, Cam is Cam. He's a former MVP. Um, but I love the signing with Bill Belichick. I think. Going to a program like that, an organization like that, like kind of like Randy Moss is one of my favorite players. And Randy Moss kind of had a similar style of like his personality was kind of up and down. And so him going to the, the uh, Patriots and putting up those crazy numbers with Tom Brady that first year kind of put Randy Moss in a whole new light and kind of rejuvenated his career. And I think that's what's going to happen with Cam. I think he's going to go there. He's humble. He's working his ass off. If you're following him on social media, he's working his butt off. So I think he's going to go there and have a chip on the shoulder and actually put up some some crazy numbers. I mean, especially with Bill Belichick 
um, Josh, what's Josh McDaniels. Yeah. Um, you know, I think they're just going to figure out what he does best and just really just attack that and go ham. So I'm excited to see him play, man. I'm really just happy for him. I really am. I'm truly happy for him. Yeah, I, I'm interested because players get knocked, coaches get knocked. Who's better, Belichick, Brady? Will the system work with someone? You know, we've seen the system work with some other quarterbacks, but can it work well enough with a former MVP to win another yeah. Super Bowl? Who knows? Quan, what do you think? Yeah, I echo everything you just said, man. I'm happy for Cam. I'm a Cam fan. Uh, like you said, I think he's been humbled by this whole situation, just kind of being uh, out on out in no man's land and nobody really, you know, knocking on his door. So I think he'll be, you know, humbled, hopefully, and, and hungry, definitely. Um, and, and poised to have, you know, a big year and keep Patriots back in that in that playoff and, and uh, you know, Super Bowl contender talk. Absolutely. Um, if we had to make predictions right now, who has the bigger year, Bucks or the Pats? Oh, Bucks. <laughs> you can go Bucks? Bucks. They got, I mean, the weapons over there, Tom Brady, Mike Evans, Godwin, Talent. Talent. I mean, they got, and then they just drafted a couple old linemen too that are studs. Like, well, it, yeah. isn't isn't that the deal? Like, it's great that Cam's in New England, and God, my buddy Rhino is probably jumping for joy. He's a Boston native, but but that the, they still have the same talent level, right? Right. It's, yeah, it still, still takes time. A lot of a lot of weapons on offense, as far as like on the perimeter. You know, their wideouts are still you know questionable outside of Edelman, right. um, but you know they're going to ride their defense. You know, they had one of the top defenses in the league last year. And, you know, Belichick is Belichick. He's going to scheme yeah. them to a lot of wins. So, um, I don't think you can count them out until somebody <laughs> you know, takes that AFC East crown. Do you, do, you uh, think, do you think they're a Super Bowl contender? I don't know right about now? Super Bowl contender. I mean, I think they're definitely, um, you know, contender to, to, to make the playoffs and win the division. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, Super Bowl may, may be a little lofty with a brand-new quarterback. Yeah, they're in a historically bad division, which is one reason they've been able to kind of be on top for a while. So Exactly. That'll be interesting. And we think the Bucks. we think Tom Brady's still got enough to win a Super Bowl, yes or no? Yes. I think so. If the, I, think so. I mean, everything's going to have to fall, you know, his way. But, you know, the AFC is really tough now, obviously, with KC and, um, and Baltimore. So, you know, uh, and even the NFC, like, you got to get past the Saints in your own division. The Niners are still there. You got to get past the Bears. <laughs> <laughs> the Bears got to get past the Vikings and the, and the Packers first. And the Lions, and the Lions looking, you know what I mean? The Lions is chomping at the bit too. <laughs> Man, I'm a Niners fan. I'm a 49ers fan me for too, life. But, but if they don't pull it off, the one story I would like to see, I'd like to see Tom Brady get another one with a different organization. Because this is the thing. Yeah. They're both great. Everyone wants to talk, is it Brady or Belichick? Listen, guys, it's freaking both. They're both incredible. Tom Brady, I'm a Joe Montana guy. I grew up on Joe Montana, but I don't care how good Belichick is. You're not winning even three Super Bowls if you have a mediocre to very good quarterback. The system can't be that good. Someone's got to be out there seeing what's happening, making the plays, Executing, calling the shots, yeah. calling mm -hmm. audibles, leading a team. Leadership's very underrated. Of course. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm curious to see, man. I'm also old, so I'd like to see an old white guy get it done. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, let's, let's, let's figure it out. Um, I want him to have a good season, but I don't want him to win. Well, you <laughs> no. don't want him to win? No, you're, man. You're, I, you're tired of him winning, huh? I'm tired. And the Super Bowl's in Tampa, too. So, you know, 
You know what I mean? You know he wants yeah. to get to the Super Bowl, home field advantage in the Super Bowl. I mean, that'd oh, be yeah, that's crazy. The initials matchup: Tom Brady, Tampa Bay. The Super Bowls in Tampa Bay. Like yeah. we've yeah. got his, we've got his number one, you know, buddy on his team, Gronk. Like yeah. I'm, I'm, I don't, I, I love Tom and I respect him. I think he's the goat. But man, I just, I, I don't want to see him winning one more. I just don't. <laughs> Hey, can we just interject, get off football for just one second? Quam, who do you think the greatest basketball player of all time is? Jordan. My Mark, man. <laughs> Jordan. <laughs> there My you man. go. There you go, Joe. I had to throw that in. As well. <laughs> Joe Connor is a uh, Joe Connor is a LeBron fan and mm. uh, apparently not a Jordan hater, but I have a lot of footage on this show that says otherwise. <laughs> it's, it's, it's the never-ending debate. but uh, yeah, I have that debate with my boys all the time, trust me. But, but back to football a little bit. Do you guys listen to the All the Smoke uh, podcast with Matt Barnes and Steven Jackson? Yeah. I've seen clips of it. Dude, I, it's, it's my favorite sports podcast out right now. So anybody listening, go check it out. All the Smoke, hosted mm-hmm. by Matt Barnes and Steven Jackson, who are on my Warriors team that beat the number one seeded um, – uh, Dallas Mavericks, Mavericks yeah. as an eight seed, which is crazy. And yeah. I guess they're actually making a documentary on that. Matt Barnes is producing it. Oh, wow. Dope. But um, but the where it ties into football is usually they have basketball guests. But recently they, they had Ken Griffey Jr. And then they had Deion Sanders. Oh, wow. And, dude, I'm telling you, the Deion Sanders interview is hilarious. That guy <laughs> yeah. is still, still prime time. Oh, yeah. St- hasn't lost any energy. Still talk smack. He, he's he's incredible. Yeah, I used That's to watch. He had a reality show for a minute. Um, I forgot what it was called, but it was him and his boys and his, you know, his girlfriend, fiance. And I would watch that thing, you know, religiously. It was it was super entertaining. Man, he's entertaining. Man, he's hilarious. Do you think do you think Dion is the greatest athlete of all time? <sighs> he's, he's in the conversation for he's sure. He's got to be up there, man. I, I put I, I put him in Bo Bo Jackson. Yeah, I would say. Like right there, I would. It's tough because there, I'm sure there are a lot of other great athletes that never got, that never tried to play two sports. You know what I mean? Because like Charlie Ward obviously could have gone professional in three different sports, um, mm-hmm. and I'm sure there are a lot of guys like that. But Deion Sanders, this is the other thing. But but actually, let's say two things. You just brought up Bo Jackson. Do you know what the other sport Bo Jackson played in college other than football and baseball? What track, right? He did track, and he, he would have been an Olympian based on what he was doing at Auburn and track. So oh, yeah. that's he was that, like a four. I think he ran like a four one five or something, something crazy four two. Something stupid. Yeah. Get this: in high school, he was the state champion for whatever. I think is he, he's from Alabama. He was a state champion of the de- decathlon, whatever the one is that has all the events. He didn't even run the mile. <laughs> he was state champion. He's like, I, I don't run. I don't run long distance. And he was still. He was still the champ because even wow. without running, that's how far ahead he was and everything else. But yeah. Deion San Deion Sanders in high school was a three-time state champion basketball player, mm. and I think his senior year averaged twenty-four point six points a game. So wow. he could have gone to pretty much any school he wanted to for basketball and probably played pro. So, you know, a sleeper athlete though. Allen Iverson. I'm not super athlete, crazy. He's but crazy. he was a, he, he was, was a amazing too. basketball player, but he was a stud on the football field too, though. He was, That's yeah. That boy was a beast, he, man. Playing you, corner, corner, yeah. like quarterback and yeah. safety. Can you imagine him with those long arms and that quickness playing cornerback, though? Man. That'd have been nasty. That'd have been nasty. How about this? Let's go back. Wilt Chamberlain, you know about him other than basketball? 
He did high jump, I know. He did high jump, and he did the hurdle, and he, he would have been an Olympian too. He would have been an Olympian at seven feet tall at, as a sprinter. Wow. That's crazy. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I'd probably go with Dion though. Yeah. So hey, Quan, who, 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 growing up, go back to your, your, your childhood, growing up, who were some of the athletes you looked up to and modeled your game after? Like professional athletes, you know, you know, who'd you, who'd you look up to? Cause I, I have a, I have a guy in my head cause I just saw a photo of him and I thought of you and I want to, I want to hear if you say his name. Really? I mean, for, for sure, if you say look up, it was Jordan for sure. I mean, I had Jordan posters all over my room. I had a Bo Jackson poster in my room. I had that one where he had the, the shoulder pads and the baseball bat at the oh, same yeah. time. I had that same that iconic one. photo, yeah. So, yeah. I mean, guys like that. And then as I got older, I kind of like refined it to people who, you know, actually played my position. So I would, I would watch like top receivers and um, Jerry Rice. Obviously, I was a big uh, hero of mine growing up, being a Niners fan. Um, and then, you know, I would watch more contemporary players as I got older who were more kind of specific to what I was doing, whether it be receiver, DB, or, you know, a guard in basketball. I remember growing up with you, I remember you had like a phase, I don't know what it was, but a Grand Hill. Oh, were, yeah. There definitely was a Grand Hill phase. Yeah, yeah. You were, you were a big Grand Hill fan. It's funny that you ended up going to Duke. Yeah, yeah. Duke, you know what I mean? But I remember you had the Grand Hill shoes. Yeah, you're right. I still have the Grand Hill Pistons jersey, I think, in my closet. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's why I wanted to see if you were to say Grant Hill. Yeah, yeah, nah, yeah. He was definitely one of my favorites. Like, you know, his transition in, like, his rookie year, he was a stud, you know. Yeah, he yeah. was co-rookie co of the year with Jason Kidd, I believe. Correct, correct. And, man, Grant Hill's one of those guys, too. And that's another guest that all the smoke had was Anthony Hardaway. Penny. Mm, yeah. And Penny, Grant Hill. Well there's some guys like that that had a moment. But because yeah. of injuries, injuries, man. Same with Bo Jackson. Exactly. Yeah. Like some of these guys, we like Dion. We got to see him. Yeah, his full potential. Full potential, right? E even as he got older, he was still pretty darn good, and we got to see the whole thing. Yeah. And some of these guys, it just—they're not gonna ever really get the love they deserve because they got hurt and just couldn't do it anymore. It's way too early, man. Right. Yeah. Those are two great names, Grant Hill and Penny Hardaway, were, you know, on that dare I say, Jordan, LeBron trajectory, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? Um, and like you said, just injuries, you know, unfortunately shorten their careers. Such a shame. Such a shame. Let's, um, let's get into a little basketball. And obviously they're trying to bring the season back. Adam Silver, actually I got a funny thing to say too, but Adam Silver is saying obviously there's the threat that it has to get shut down due to COVID and they're concerned about that. Stephen A., <laughs> first give me your <laughs> thoughts on this. Have you heard what Stephen A. Smith had to say about the bubble? What did he say? I, he I, mean, said, I listen to him every he said, day. Yeah. He said, players in Orlando will break the bubble rule because they have to have sex. <laughs> <laughs> and he was dead serious. I didn't, I didn't hear that one, but. I know, didn't hear that either. That's not, uh, that's not totally far-fetched, you know what I mean? That's what he yeah. said. Because, I mean, you think about it, that's a long time to be in a bubble. Well, it's like three months, right? Yeah, it's, yeah. I mean, that's a you're talking about some of these kids are 20 years old and they got to sit in a bubble in Florida. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, if if, it, if anything kills the bubble and uh, and brings COVID a little more rampant, that's probably going to be what it is. That's definitely in the realm of possibilities. I mean, these are young millionaires, um, you know, who enjoy having a good time, enjoy being around beautiful women. I'm sure. So you know, that's definitely uh, potentially an issue. I'll tell you what, it'd be it'd be an issue with me. <laughs> even, at, even at 38 years old, that bubble would be tough. 
Yeah. Are, you, are you guys excited? Are you guys excited about the league coming back? I, I'm excited, but then I'm like, man, they just they just canceled the whole damn thing because now that COVID yeah. started up again, like it yeah. just it's you it's, know what I mean. So I've been I hadn't been back and forth, but I've been kind of on the fence. But I was definitely leaning heavy towards playing. And you know, actually, who made me think differently about it? Because of course, I want sports to come back. But last week we had this dude um, that I played against in AAU ball when I was in high school. His name's Jamil Pugh. And uh, if anybody hasn't watched that episode, it's actually my favorite episode so far because I didn't know the guy. He's the first guest we've had on that me or Joe didn't actually know. I mm. reached out to him and I reached out to him because he was, he's still a legendary dunker. He was like kind of like wow. Zion before Zion. Like wow. anybody who played against him um, knows like this dude was crazy. And he ended up playing at UMass and then ended up his career at Sacramento State, placed second in the dunk contest, the NCAA dunk contest. Crazy hops. He was 6'4", but he was built like a linebacker and had insane, like a 50-inch vertical, something wow. stupid. Um, but he actually kind of made me think differently. He's like, man, it's just not worth it because now people that are even a little younger are starting to get it. And if you're a player and your wealth is your health and your future depends on you being healthy, some of these, uh, even people that live through it, the side effects are kind of crazy on your lungs, your respiratory system and stuff like that. That made yeah. me think different because if it was my, if it, again, I always think of terms now that I'm a dad in terms of if it were my kid. And if it were my kid, I'd be like, look, I know you got to go make money now, but what if you can't play the next 10 years that you're supposed to play because, because your career is going to be done due to this virus or, right. or it significantly hampers you. But um, I have kind of an interesting question on if this season ends up happening, going all the way to a championship. And I want your guys' opinion on this. So who has the most to lose, all right? And this isn't just players or just teams. I'm going to give you specifically and tell me who you think has the most to lose. So we have LeBron and the Lakers combined, all right? That's one. We have the Milwaukee Bucks as a whole. We have the Houston Rockets. We have the 76ers. And we have Brandon Ingram. <laughs> I know he sounds like the odd man out. Yeah, I got to hear your rationale on that one. But that's, that's a dookie, by, dookie, by the way. What's that? That's a dookie, by the way. Shout out, B.I. Shout out, B.I. Oh, yeah, he is a dookie. He is a dookie, man. I wish, I wish uh, Coach K had call him and tell him to start eating more food and put on about 30 pounds. <laughs> but why did you say his name with all those other teams? Well, okay, I'll explain, I'll explain my reasoning behind including him. And then, and then you guys weigh in on it, okay? So, let, let, first, let's go down the list. Like, obviously, LeBron, the Lakers, there's several reasons everybody knows about. Um, and actually, I want to throw the Clippers in here, too. Throw the okay. Clippers in here. Um, Milwaukee Bucks, because they don't know how long the Greek Freak's going to be there, right? right. Houston Rockets, just because James Harden and, and um, Westbrook are kind of about to be out of their prime. And right. who knows what that window is for them. 76ers, because if they don't pull it off soon, that their star core – could start shifting around, leaving. They're going to be trading, go back and go back to the process. You know <laughs> right. I mean? Brandon Ingram, though, he's one guy who is now scheduled for next season. He'd be getting either a max contract or somewhere near a max contract. Mm. So I don't know how slim the chances would be, be that he gets COVID, but if he does and he's not asymptomatic and it does affect his body, and again, again, I think about this if it were my son. If he were my son, and I want to see them play, and I want Zion to play. I mean, I love watching these guys. But I, I would be telling him to not play this season just because it's not worth the risk 
if he if he misses out on that big contract. Yeah, and there are some some smaller name guys who are doing that, who are up for a contract next year and they're not playing, but they're smaller name guys. Um, I think Brandon Ingram, as much as we don't know about COVID and the potential long-term side effects, I think he should be more worried about, you know, a torn ACL or an Achilles coming off right. of a long break. That, that's uh, actually what I just thought of when I said that, is that injury is the other big thing there. Right, right. But I think him being so young nowadays, even if guys, I mean, you look at KD, he tore his, obviously he's not KD, but KD tore his, Achilles and got you know a super max 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 you know what I mean mm-hmm. I think the guy has proved himself he was an all-star this year so even if he gets hurt you know knock on wood um I think he'll still get that max contract somewhere still get the max okay yeah. so let, let's weigh in on these other these other situations and if you forget all of them let me know and I can read them again mm. I, I think LeBron and the Lakers and 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 my bias is because I have Chicago in my mind <laughs> <laughs> always, there's always little signs. <laughs> I think I gotta get around stupid. But hear me out, hear me out, hear me out. And I've been preaching this, I've been saying this, man. But I think LeBron trying to cement his legacy as one of the goats. I mean, obviously he's up there. Him, Jordan, Kobe. I mean, it, it's undeniable, right? But I think his window's closing, so I think that's why he's pushing the play because he wants that championship. He is the favorite to win it. Him and, you know, Kawhi are right there in, in the Greek Freak. But I think he knows AD's leaving. And I think AD knows he's leaving. I think AD wants to get back to his hometown, Chicago. You know what I mean? So I think, like, look, let's get, let's do this. Get in this championship now. AD, go ahead and go. Because LeBron wants his statue at the Staples Center. He's got to bring a championship to L.A. He knows when AD leaves next year, it's going to be harder for him to recruit an, another AD to come to L.A. and play with him, you know what I mean, someone of that stature. So I think LeBron is trying so hard to get – even if it's an asterisk championship, he wants it. Right. He wants it because I feel like he knows that A.D. AD didn't sign no max contract. He didn't sign no long-term contract with the Lakers. He knows he wants – he does a lot of stuff for the community in Chicago. D. Rose is up for free agency, so D. Rose could go there, and him and D. Rose are tight, and they're brothers, and they, they do – they both do a lot in the community. So maybe that's something that I'm, me personally, I'm hoping. <laughs> this kind of guy in all Chicago gear right now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We, you we, see, know, you we, we, know, we know what you're hoping, boss. We know. <laughs> but, you know, but mine is Chicago. But you see what I'm saying, though, as far as AD possibly leaving and LeBron's on his, this end of his career wanting to get that championship in L.A. I mean, he has a championship everywhere he's gone. He needs one in L.A. If he doesn't bring one to L.A., then, you know, it's going to look like, well, you failed. You know what I mean? Especially towards the end of his career. So I think there's a little bit of pressure on him to bring a championship to L.A., to the Lakers, of all places. Right, right. Yeah, yeah I definitely agree. What do you think? I got to say LeBron and Lakers, too. And, you know, full disclosure, I'm a Lakers fan. But I think, you know, LeBron, his window's closing as far as his age. Um, the window's closing as far as just the Lakers in general. Like Steve said, with having all the you know championship pieces, they're having a great year. You know, what I mean, everybody's you know most people pick them to win it all before everything shut down. So I think they have the most to lose. I mean, they finally got all their kind of ducks in a row and yep. they for a championship. And now it's like you know, obviously that uh, that kind of got sidetracked, and now they're trying to regroup and and still you know capitalize on that. And as far as the asterisk, I don't think you know maybe. Right away, people. Some people may be talking to asterisk, but and depending on 
how many people get COVID, get injured, you know, God forbid. There's so many variables. Yeah, a star gets injured, whatever. But at the end of the day, like, you got to think back to, you know, the lockout season when the Spurs won a chip. You know, nobody says uh, Tim Duncan has four chips and one asterisk chip. Right, right. Chips. But you know LeBron I mean? is in a different category. He wins in this year. They're going to say, well, it was the COVID year. That'd be even because there's so many LeBron haters. Tim Duncan, he's just right. so quiet and and so under the radar. And then no one kind of talks about yeah. Tim like it, that. It's all. It's also because everything he does is going to be compared to MJ, which isn't everything. fair. But everyone knows he's cha- everyone knows he wants to get. I mean, as many chips as he can. But you know what he's thinking? He's thinking if me and AD can make this thing work and we can keep building around this, why can't we r- rattle off three in a row? Right. You know, he's not thinking small. He's not thinking one. He's thinking, like, let's do this. Let's start a dynasty. For sure. You know? Um, so, this was a weird one for me. And the Brandon Ingram one I thought was cool. But I've always felt like LeBron's got the most to lose. But in, but in reality, he could win eight. And the same people that are saying that Michael Jordan's better are still going to say that Michael Jordan's better. Me included. I, that's just – I just feel he's a better basketball player. I mean, unless LeBron – I mean – We've seen what he can do in his prime. I don't think he's going to get better. I think he might maintain, but I, I just don't think he's going to show us anything we haven't seen. And in my opinion, MJ is a better basketball player. But Milwaukee, they haven't won an NBA championship since 1971 with Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and Oscar Robertson. Milwaukee doesn't get a lot of opportunities to win championships. Right. Um, if they lose, they don't get a lot of stars, and they finally have a star. And they but, don't get a lot of stars. I mean, who's the last star? They had Ray Allen. Yeah, Ray Allen. They had big the big dog. dog. <laughs> they had Vin Baker. I mean, they've had some guys, but Red. And that was the last time they were really competitive and really even in the running. And I don't even know, did they get to an Eastern Conference Finals? They may have. Maybe one. I mean, they haven't had a lot of contenders, and Giannis is a once in a generation talent. Yeah. So, to me. I mean, all these guys got something to lose, but if you don't win it in the next one year, maybe two years, if they don't figure out what Greek Freak's going to do yet, if he ends up there two years, that's it. So that's this season and next season, right? So, and then he's gone. And he's most likely, he's going to try to go form a super team somewhere. Hopefully that super team will be with the Warriors, Giannis. But, um, yeah, I don't know about that. He doesn't, he doesn't strike me. He doesn't strike me as a super team kind of guy. He, he strikes me as a hard-nosed guy. I love Milwaukee. I want to win it here. You know, if anything, maybe he gets a guy to come there. But, you know, he's kind of he's old school, you know, put my head down and work. So I don't know if he's with that super team stuff. That's what, that's what uh, Joe says all the time. He's like, yeah, he strikes me as the guy that just wants to stick it out. But I don't know. Two more yeah, seasons. No. I want to no. see, see how much he wants to stick it out after losing for two more years. You know what I mean? But um, yeah, They could very well – they could win it this year, and then who knows? Yeah. You know? They could, yeah. they could. As shot as anybody. But that's where I'm at. Like, if they don't get it done this year, um, that means they've got maybe one year left unless he decides, you know, I'm out. So I think there's yeah. a lot of pressure on them as an organization because if he goes, no, yeah. you, 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 you're not going to uh, uh, lure another big star to Milwaukee. You've got to do it again through the draft. That's not an easy yeah. thing to do. Yeah. But, Boss, tell us what you're doing with, with, uh, with 7 Percenter. We, we talked about it a few weeks ago when you were on. <laughs> But any developments and uh, what's happening? Man, still working on trying to make it into a full-on, you know, uh, fitness brand. Right now, with everything with COVID going on, it's, it's to me, honestly, it's kind of hard to, like, really push something. 
Um, yeah, to tell you the truth, it's, it, you, you know, with COVID, uh, Black Lives Matter, um, you know, everything going on with social justice, it doesn't seem right to push a brand right now. For me personally, it doesn't, I mean, I post here and there, um, you know, my focus is some, you know, just kind of seeing what the world is kind of going to settle into um, and see where we're at going forward with that. So me personally, I feel like it'd be like a selfish move on my part to really try to push something and sell something on someone. And it, honestly, it gives me time to to think about what I really want to do with it. Um, do I want to keep it pushing forward, turning it into, a, you know, the fitness brand that I want to, um, which is probably where I'm going to go with it anyway. But just kind of gives me a time to step back and just reflect and see what's going on and what I really want to do with it and just kind of let the world settle back into its hopefully normalcy sometime in the near future. So. Yeah, yeah, you know, and right after we did our show, boss was when um was when Stevie Dub really started getting out there, and then you got out there with them, mm -hmm. and um you know hitting the streets, protesting. It was amazing to watch, by the way. It made me want to get out there. When when you guys were really hitting it, I had my nine year old with me, and I was like, man, I should hit them up, see where they're at. I'll just go meet them right now. But I was like, I don't know what I'm gonna do with this little nine year old, and I'm not gonna be bringing him down near rubber bullets and all the crazy stuff. Right, but right. It, it's amazing. But you know. Getting into Black Lives Matter, guys, um, are you are you both of mixed race? Yep. Can, can we talk about something a little more personal with you guys? Like, one, aside from what's going on right now, obviously there have been big things happen in our lifetime. We're all about the same age. What was it like growing up mixed race? And, and then what's it like right now dealing with where you're kind of not on both sides, so to speak, because I think the sides and the walls are breaking down. Seeing as many white people and people of other races going out supporting Black Lives Matter was incredible to me because I've never seen that in my lifetime. And I don't know if we've ever seen that, you know, in anybody's lifetime. But um, but going to your guys' experience growing up and what you're going through right now. Yeah, so, I mean, for me, it was, it was a little, you know, different to navigate, I guess. You know, my mom is white. My dad is... Um, not only black, but African. Um, so, you know, I would get teased when I was younger, you know, you hear the Oreo or, you know, you're not, you're not black enough. You know, I grew up in you know, kind of a, um, a inner city type of uh, environment, neighborhood, but then I went to private school. So, you know, I kind of had the uh, both sides, not only, you know, in my neighborhood and school and then being, you know, half black, half white. Um, and I remember, you know, way back to like Montessori school and elementary school, like, almost being embarrassed when my mom came to pick me up because kids would just ask questions, you know, kids are kids. That's not your mom. She's white. That can't be your mom. Right. You know I mean? So I'd be like embarrassed and like, you know, trying to explain and just like, mom, just like wait outside or stay in the car or like, I don't want you to come on this field trip. Right. So right. I went through all those different things. But as I got older, you know, it became a, a strength for me. You know what I mean? And something uh, uh, I'm proud of um, and just being able to, like you said, see both sides. Have I have white family members? I have black family members. It allows me to kind of navigate and move in different rooms um, and kind of understand both sides. So to me, it's a it's an ultimate strength to be able to see the world from two different sides. Yeah, I totally I totally agree with him. Uh, similar background, same. I don't know my father though. I, I just recently found out my dad's actually Haitian. Um, my mom's white. She passed away a year and a half ago. Uh, grew up in Chicago, uh, got picked, my whole family's white, except for me. Um, so growing up, you know, got picked on a lot, got called Oreo a lot. Same, same, you know, stories with Adrian. You know, I didn't want my mom to come with me or I got kids telling me that's not your mom. I used to think I was stolen. 
I'm like, I, this, this is not my family. This is not my family. Like, I cannot be this. Like, why am I here? Where's my dad? And not knowing my dad and having, you know, having those answers to my questions just even made it more difficult for me um, growing up. Um, but I definitely agree with Adrian. It's definitely a strength now. I can navigate. I can maneuver any room. I can mingle with anybody. Um, but it, now just with Black Lives Matter, you know, Black people too, I feel like we've been taught not to really talk about what him and I are just talking about. Like, you got to have you got to have thick skin and, you know, oh, you're just angry black people, you know, forget about it. But now I've been telling people, I've been so comfortable and so excited about just talking about it, like selling my story and hearing other people's stories. And you can, you can tell, you could talk to any black person and, and talk to them about, you know, when you walk into a room, you know, when you're getting looked at, at a, because you're black and then you got to prove to people like, well, is he that type of black person? What type of black person is this going to be? Is he is he one that I can talk to and joke with about him being black and talk about watermelon and talk about all that chicken and stuff or grape uh, soda? Or is he one of those guys I can't talk to? And you really, honestly, JT, you can feel it. And then we always had to prove ourselves. We have to literally prove ourselves to them that we're smart enough, that educated enough, articulate enough to actually do the job or do whatever we have to do. And we're just not like, an athlete or a rapper or, you know, something of that nature where we're entertaining. So it feels good to actually talk about it now openly and hopefully have an adult conversation about it and, and actually, you know, teach some people some stuff and learn some stuff on both ends, myself included. Boss, I wonder like what you experienced being out on the streets with Dub and, and the type of love you guys were experiencing or even some of the, the, the hate. I only saw the videos that were a lot of positivity, which I appreciate. But what was it like out there? Man, you know, I live in Santa Clarita. So, you know, it was one now with the, there was a march out here in Santa Clarita. And I remember my heart was talking to me like, man, I had to go. I had to go. I had to go. So I ended up going. Um, and I saw nothing but like white people, man. And I remember just thinking to myself, like, this is amazing. And I remember going around telling just them, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Because like I said, I, I posted a video not too long ago. It feels like, you know, you're in a fight, right? You're in a, you're in a scrap. Like you're just, you're, you're swinging, you're fighting. If you guys ever been in a fight, you know, 30 seconds of a fight, it, it, it can, it can wear on you. So you just like, you scrapping, but now it's 400 years, you scrapping. And then you go to swing your last haymaker just to hopefully it connects. And then you got, you know, all these, your backups coming and they don't even look like you. And they come and say, look out, watch out, I got you. Step to the side, brother, I got you. My voice is louder than yours right now. You know what I mean? Like, we, our weapons are stronger than yours. And um, let, us, let us speak for you because you, you get, you're tired. You've been fighting for so long. Let us talk for you. Let us, let us fight for you. And that's what it feels like for me personally. I mean, when I was out there in Santa Clarita, um, the march was going great, man. Um, I remember I, probably about 30 feet from me, you hear this dually beautiful black dually truck revving this engine and it had a big ass trunk flag and a big ass american flag um hanging off the back of it he pulls up to the marchers all of us literally like 20 feet from me gets out screams fuck all you black lives matter fuck all you guys fuck all you starts flicking us off and i was like just seeing that hearing it and seeing the hate in this man's eyes like 
we, we have such a long way to go, man. We have so, but you know, it's it's nice to see that the people that were yelling at him right back were white people, Asians, Latinos, and you know, there weren't even that many black people out there to tell you the truth. And they and it was the one they were ones going at. I mean, the police had to break them up. I mean, this guy was getting his brand new truck belted with water bottles spit on everything because he was just going crazy. But for the most part, that was the only time. And I did one in uh, Hollywood with, with Stevie Dub, and that one was uh, put together by YG. And there was probably five miles worth of people, man. And it was just beautiful. Yeah, I, saw, I saw a picture and a video of them going. Was that Hollywood Boulevard? Yeah. Mm -hmm. That was yeah. crazy. Amazing. It was amazing. Ron Artest was there. I saw Ron Artest. He was like, we were walking. He was just. You know, he wasn't covered up or nothing, man. He was marching. He had his sign out. You know, just the love that everybody had out there. I mean, for me, moving forward in my life, like when I'm 60, 70, 80 years old, and I can look back on my life and I can say, man, you know what? I did my part, you know, on chain, helping change the world and, and changing it into the direction that we all needed to be in. And it felt good to be out there, man. It, it's, everything that Kwame and I have been through in our life, you know, um, and every black person has been through it. Like it felt good to be out there and fighting for what's right, equality. Like literally it felt really, really good. And just seeing the different races coming together because to me, that's what it's supposed to be about is everyone coming together to, right. you know, more yeah. common goal. It was I awesome. Gotta, I gotta be honest. I, I think of course, and, it, and it's, it's just such a shame and so tragic that it has to be something devastating like a death or a killing or you know just these horrible things that bring about change but man from what i saw from what took place there to let's say the last i mean the the big riots i really remember were the rodney king riots right and from from then to now which is you know really let's say half a lifetime because those were when i was maybe a teenager and now i'm 38 years old so let's say 20 years i feel like i know it's very easy for people to go, oh man, nothing's changed. It's it's the same. But man, I think we we've taken a huge leap, and I think what just happened right now, seeing that many people coming together, I really do think we're gonna look back at this instance and go, that was a big shift. That mm -hmm. was a big shift because it's, I mean, again, I've just never seen anything like that before. I've never seen anything like it. And when we you're in a place with, I mean. You know, my son is Korean, Japanese, Italian, Spanish, Irish. And I mean, how many kids are out there of mixed race now, whether it whether it's black, white or Latino, white or Latino, black and Samoan. I mean, there's just so I just don't see how we can just just stay where we're at. I, I think the progress is going to take a huge jump. I really do. I mean, that's the hope. You know, what I mean, that's 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 what all this is for is, is to move forward as, as a society and you know, and get past all that. But, you know, you still got the people, bro, that, that hold on to that hate, man. And, and you know, they're still going to be out there, bro. Like, they're still going to hold on to that. And um, It's always – yeah, it's always going to exist. It's always, always. going to exist, unfortunately. But I, I'm hoping though that those sections of people can be much smaller. Ah, much smaller every day. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just want to address something you said a little earlier, JT. I didn't want to yeah. cut you off, but yeah. you said, you know, me and Steve would have to walk into a room and prove we're white enough. Like, that was that was never the case. 
uh, I can speak for myself at least, I never try to walk in a room and say, make somebody believe I'm white enough. Um, so I just want to have that on record because that- Yeah, for sure. Kind of the wrong way. Yeah. Um, I've always been proud to be black or mixed, whatever you want to call it, and never felt like, let me try to go in this room and prove them I'm white enough. Right. So, well, yeah, and the truth is, you shouldn't have to go in a room and prove you're anything enough. Exactly. You know I mean, like, exactly. like you know, you, you said- room as myself and, you know, yeah. take it to you. Yeah, like, like, boss, you said something where, actually, you both said something where you were actually getting called an Oreo, and that was from black people. So you shouldn't have to, like, wh wh why do we have to prove to either one, either one of our, whatever you want to call it, our sides, our races, or, or yeah. you know, these people who are our people that we have to prove anything. You right. know what I mean? But it, it's just, and it's a shame that that's, that's the way it's been. And it's a shame when you look at jobs and there's still so little minorities that are getting the jobs when you look at sports and, and other, and other things, but every field, I, hope, every I field. hope it's changing, man, because I mean, there's, there's so many qualified people and, and educated and, and just talented people. And, mm -hmm. and like you guys said earlier, you shouldn't have to be an athlete or, or a rapper or an artist that, that comes with clout from some other area to be able to get into other businesses. And that's how it's been for so long, you know? Yeah, it's, it's unfortunate, man. And I know me personally and professionally, you know, I've, I've had it, you know, and I've had to deal with it. You know, the career I have now, I've, I've heard it, you know, and I've had to fight back fighting, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, just because of things that were said to me or I've heard and, um, you know, it, it sucks. It definitely sucks because, you know, you know, I, I have to host meetings now. You know what I mean? I host meetings. I do PowerPoint. You can literally see, because I the company I work for, um, you know, it's it's good old boys. It's it's changing, but it's got like the good old boy mentality. Mm -hmm. um, and when I walk into a room with a bunch of those good old boys, and I have to lead a meeting, I, I can literally see the look on their face, like like you you're him. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. Like oh. I, I can see it, you know what I mean? I can feel it. Um, and I think, you know, to me, I feel like every black person knows that feeling, um, mm -hmm. knows that feeling. Even my wife, we talk about it with her job and she's an RN, she's a nurse. And we've talked about it and, and you know, she, she feels it. And um, it's one of those things, you know, we, we know it happens, we deal with it. We do develop tough skin because of it. Um, and like Adrian said, you know, I'm, he's proud. I'm proud to be black. I'm proud to be who I am. You know what I mean? I'm proud to, you know, have a great career and make the money I make and have the house I have and this and that. It's not because I'm black. It's because of who I am as a person and my work ethic. You know what I mean? Um, so, you know, my integrity and my goals and my personality. So, um, you know, and I want to be judged for that, not because I can, you know, dribble or, you know, I played football and, and things of that nature is because of who I am as a person Absolutely. and my intelligence. So, you know, and I think that's where we're at is trying to get to that level. And it's just great to see people, white people going to bat for us. Like now we're yeah. like, man, we don't have to say this shit anymore by ourselves. Right. We right. got backup and it's great to have backup. You know what I mean? And it's like, Absolutely. we can take a deep breath, you know, and like, it feels great, but, we still got to fight and we still got to go because we're still going to get judged and all these yeah. videos coming out of, of the Karens and all the, you know, right. racist things is exposing all this hate still, you know, cause it's still out there and we just gotta, we gotta, we gotta manage it and fight through it and, 
you know, one person at a time, man. It, you know, we change one person's mind, we're waiting at life. So that's why I look at it. Yeah, you know, some things that really spoke to me were, uh, did you see what Greg Popovich said about the movement? He said oh. some great things. The, the main thing he said was we've had the privilege, white people have had the privilege of, how did, how did he put it? We've had the privilege of being able to not address this situation because, of, because we're white. And he goes, that needs to change. And then Coach K said something very similar. I was going to bring up Coach K. Uh, yeah, yeah. What did, do you remember what he said? He, he came out, he gave like a whole two minute, you know, um, you know, monologue on Black Lives Matter. And it was, um, you know, the thing that stuck out to me, he was like, say it, just say it. Can't you say it? Black yeah. Lives Matter. And some <laughs> people can't even say those three words. Some right. people can't even say those three words, whether it be political, whereas it, whether it be they don't even mean it. But whether you agree with the movement or not, I've come across people who can't even put those three words together. There's been a weird section uh, and, you know, not to get too political on here, but there's been this weird section that we've seen and it's been a big group of, of, of many different races that, that are all about this. Well, all lives matter. And it just blows. <laughs> it's embarrassing because it's like, yeah. of course, all lives matter. Right. <laughs> no one's saying, no one's saying that all lives saying. don't matter. But a black man was just killed in cold blood by a police officer. So, like, there's a there's a term called read the room. Let's like let's think about what's going on right now and the reason we're saying Black Lives Matter and let's support it. It's like saying, um, you know, it's like saying, oh, I'm rooting for uh, I'm rooting for this team right now because my team lost. But like, but someone say, no, 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 no. You 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 can you can only root for this. well, no, no, no. This is what's happening right now. I'm showing support. You know what yeah. I mean? It, it's just, yeah. it's I even I even try to put myself in other people's shoes, and I think you know, let's say there's a different group of people going through this right now. If it was Asian people who are being uh, treated unfairly, I would not have a problem saying Asian lives matter. I would right. not have a problem saying that for any race, you know, for that for that matter. Um, so it's just kind of mind-boggling to me how people, you know, have a problem saying it or even you know um, uh, acknowledging it um, without feeling attacked or without feeling. Like it's taking something away from them, you know what right. I mean? Right, exactly. Yeah, that it's almost like the MJ LeBron debate. Like if you say something good about LeBron, all these MJ lovers get offended. Like you're like you're saying right. that it, you know what I mean? It's it's so weird. But yeah. man, Not I'm really glad we had the politicized too. You know what I mean? So I mean, you know, this is being politicized. Masks are being politicized. So you know, you have one movement and it, it kind of gets turned into something, um, you know, that kind of revolves around politics. So it's, it always makes it difficult because nobody wants to give an inch when it comes to politics. Absolutely. Right. And it's tough with the media too, because you know how a lot of media outlets make are making their dollars or through showing some of the negative stuff while there's an, there's been amazing positive, positive centered protests and um, amazing, very peaceful protests that are going on. But what do people really want to see? They want to see riots. They want to see stuff getting destroyed and all that sort of thing. So what's really going on too, just because something's being magnified on social media or magnified on the news, doesn't mean that's as a whole what's going on right. out there either. But guys, I'm really glad we had this conversation because again, it's a sports show. We set around sports, but um, I think it was an important one to have. I'm hoping to get Stevie Dub on here soon so we can talk about his experience as well. But um, thank you guys, boss. Thank you for co-hosting with me. You stepped up, and Absolutely, thank you, for, thank you both for for loving MJ over LeBron because that's what the show <laughs> that's what this show is all about. 
<laughs> and Quam, um, real quick, just uh, remind everybody where they can find you and um, and anything happening right now for you. Yeah, thank you guys for having me, man. Um, thank you. you can find me on social media, Quam the Don, uh, K W A M T H A D D O N, on uh, you know Twitter, um, Instagram, and then you know check out my latest videos called Threats to Society, directed by Boss Hawes. Um, it's a little Kobe tribute. Oh, I didn't then. even know that. I didn't even know oh, yeah. that. Oh yeah, Boss shot shot and directed that here in Vegas. So. Oh, that's um, dope. We have a nice Kobe tribute in there and also a tribute to, to Nipsey Hustle in there too. So check that yeah. out. Oh, um, and then you can follow uh, Vegas Nation. Um, that's all of our Raiders coverage. And check out Vegas Nation Blitz every Wednesday. If you have Cox, go to Cox Your View and check out Vegas Nation every Wednesday at 8 p.m. All right. That's what's up. Boss, anything you want to say before we're out of here? Man, thank you, bro. Thank you. You know, I love you. You know, I love you both. And, you know, I'm proud of both of you guys, man. And, you know, I'm just. I'm thankful for this, man. I had a blast.